the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, Bernie, how about my car payment? Yeah, Bernie Sanders is out there pushing hard to cancel everybody's college loans. That's $1.6 trillion, with a T, dollars. And it's owed by 45 million people. And for being this stupid, we owe Bernie a little something. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. So why is somebody's college loan more important than my or your car payment? We need a car to get to work to make the money to pay off all of our other debts, like, you know, our mortgage, which could also be paid off if Bernie was a nice guy. Maybe Bernie could get those wiped out, too. We can work on that. Bernie points out on his website that 30 years ago, a pub, at a public uh, four-year university, tuition and fees were $3,360 a year in 2022 dollars. But that same degree today costs more than $10,000, and it's 21000 if you throw in fees and room and board. Now, I don't know what college's Bernie Sanders is looking at, but I can tell you a lot of people would love to be paying only $21,000 a year for their kid to go to school, go to college. But here's an idea. Look into why college tuition has gone up about, well, it's actually gone up uh, 213%, I think it is, since 1987. Uh, And here's another idea. Uh, Don't pay room and board. Commute. I had to pay back my own college loan. Maybe you had to pay yours back. And there are people out there a lot younger than I am uh, who may have just finished paying off theirs. So how is it fair? And remember, fair is Bernie Sanders' favorite word. So how is it fair for someone who may have just paid their loan off in the last year or so or last week? How is it fair for them to find out that the taxes they'll be paying on the money that they're earning now because of the job that they wouldn't have without the college degree will be used to pay off somebody else's loan. This is just unbelievably stupid. We'll talk about what a stupid idea this is in our second half hour, and we'll be able to remind you that it was stupid enough to get Bernie Sanders the Windows R Us Jerk of the Week Award. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com. And when we come back, another Democrat favorite, uh, abortion, and an update on their lovely law in California that makes it legal for parents to abort their baby right up until birth and a few weeks after. Stick around. of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule changing the world one life at a time a year ago i literally thought i was dying i mean i get up in the morning and i was exhausted when i got up i started taking this in august i believe it was and the energy level i mean literally the energy level it's one of those things where i notice that i'm getting more energy and I'm 67 years old, but compared to what I was a year ago, I'm doing a lot better. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code BALANCE. Spring cleaning is upon us, but there's one meaningful box that you don't throw away when cleaning out your closet. 
It's the box filled with your family's important videotapes, film reels, and photos. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago to help families organize and update their analog media to digital. Legacy Box is simple and easy. It works and is safe. Over a million families have trusted Legacy Box. And Legacy Box has been featured in Good Housekeeping, The Today Show, and Rachel Ray. Legacy Box is like magic, converting your shoebox of memories to the cloud or thumb drive, ready to watch and share. Declutter your closet by digitizing your media. Become more organized and accomplished, knowing your family's recorded past is safe forever. Take advantage of our spring cleaning sale going on now. It's the easiest task to check off your to-do list. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get an incredible 50% off your Legacy Box. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 50% off while supplies last. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. Are you wondering if this year you'll still be asking why it seems so easy for other people to find love but so hard for me? If you're feeling the pain of being alone and are tired of everyone around you finding their soulmates and leaving you behind, then get ready to remove the barriers to finding the marriage of your dreams and start believing it's possible for you. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Join me in my Married in 12 Months Challenge, where I'll teach you why now is your time to find love, what are the lies that are holding you back, why God wants you to be married, the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. Listen, if you deeply desire to be married, but you're still single, you should be doing something about it. Sign up for my free Married in 12 Months 5-Day Challenge at lovestories.com. The only thing you have to lose is the pain of being alone on your journey. So join me at lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. It's hard to believe what the Democrats are selling these days with an election seven months away. There are lots of really stupid things, and some of them are evil. It's hard to imagine anything more evil than AB 2223. It's the new legislation in California that legalized infanticide. We talked about this with Jonathan Keller, the president of California Family Council, a little while ago, but he's back with an update. Jonathan, thanks for coming back on. And uh, Is the bill closer to becoming a law since the last time we talked? Well, John, thank you so much for having me. And yes, unfortunately, it is. We have a uh, we have a two step process out here in California. I believe, like you guys have out there in Pennsylvania, things start in our lower house, the assembly, and then they go on to the Senate. So far, this bill has only passed the first hurdle. It's out of the Assembly Judiciary Committee, and then it still has to make its way through the Assembly Health Committee, the Senate Health Committee, and the Senate Judiciary Committee. But as of now, it is the first bill in the nation that has had a vote and has actually passed to essentially legalize infanticide of newborn children. So these people who, uh, I mean, this, we're talking about people who know what this, what is in this bill. They read it, they look at it, and they're okay with it. How does anybody, it has, I mean, it's hard for anybody who actually knows what's happening here to imagine any other human being being okay with this. That's just, it's stunning. It absolutely is. And I just have to say, if you go back and watch the testimony from this bill, we've published a lot of information on our website. In fact, we have a specific website that is just about this bill. Um, You go to ab2223.org, ab2223.org, 2223.org. That is the 
microsite on our webpage that has all the information about the bill, and it explains how deadly and dangerous this is. Um, there are multiple sections of it, but the Democrats in Sacramento are completely trying to bury what this bill actually does. They tried to propose some amendments that are supposed to clarify this, but honestly, they do nothing to address the fundamental problems, the fundamental flaws of this bill. And let me back up and say the justification they are trying to use for this bill, they are trying to say that because there was one case out of central California where a woman who was a drug addict uh, gave birth to a stillborn child, that woman was uh, arrested for her drug use because it led to the death of her child. She was arrested and prosecuted. Well, the Democrats have basically lied about that entire process. They have tried to use this as an example of saying we should never prosecute women who are uh, grieving. We should never prosecute women who uh, have lost a child or experienced pregnancy loss, to use their words. But what they've done with that is they've, they've used this one singular case as a sledgehammer to demolish the entire set of laws that protect not only children inside the womb, but even children outside the womb. Um, in fact, John, they would actually, under this bill, they would actually make it a civil penalty for a county coroner, for a district attorney, for a police officer to even investigate the suspicious death of an unborn child or of a newborn child. Uh, a, a woman who was investigated by one of these government officials could sue the law enforcement officers and obtain damages of up to $25,000. So what, uh, is, what is supposed to happen if a baby is allowed to just die uh, after it's born or after it survives an abortion um, because the, the parents, uh, the, the, I mean, is this, are we talking about parents could be at home with a child that was born and they take it home and they say, you know what, maybe it wasn't such a good idea us having this kid. Uh, now nah, let's just not, let's just not feed him for a couple of, for a week or so. That should do it for us. I mean, are we talking about something that evil? Well, John, look, if you go and watch the testimony for this bill, uh, Buffy Wicks, the assemblywoman from Oakland, California, she repeatedly tries to claim in the testimony that her bill is being misrepresented. She says this bill is not about infanticide. That's not what this bill has to do with. We're just trying to protect women from, you know, being prosecuted. Well, I, the, the problem is it doesn't matter what Buffy Wicks says this bill does. It doesn't matter what her intention is. It doesn't matter... She could come out and say that this bill, you know, gives everybody a pony and a cotton candy machine. It doesn't matter what she says the bill does. It matters what the actual text of the legislation says. And the reality is we don't know how far this bill would allow people to go because it's completely undefined. It's completely nebulous. The, the one set of amendments that the assemblywoman tried to offer she, around the words perinatal death, she said, well, we won't prosecute you if it's perinatal death due to a pregnancy-related cause. Well, again, we've referred this language to multiple attorneys, both in the state of California and across the country. That phrase is completely meaningless. A, a pregnancy-related cause could be something like postpartum depression. I mean, we all see these tragic stories of women who are suffering with mental illness. They have a child they experience severe postpartum depression, and they kill their child after birth. Well, under this law, postpartum depression could be defined as an outcome of pregnancy. So, I mean, again, John, I, I hate to sound so macabre and so, so gruesome, but I, I do not see how a law enforcement officer, if this bill passes, I don't see how they would be able to enforce even the laws against murder of, an, of a young child under a few weeks old if the woman pleaded her rights under this statute. She could claim, I was suffering from a, a pregnancy-related cause, and that's the reason why I chose to end the life of my child. Democrats, when situations like this pop up, a good comparison, I think, would be the transgender issue and men competing against women. One of their quick arguments and one of their most prevalent arguments seems to always be, "Ah, it's just a, such a rarity that it's, you guys are you guys are just bringing that up uh, to to 
to disparage this bill or to prevent this bill from passing, but you're you're creating a an, the illusion that this is something that's common. It's just so rare that it's not even worth the, discussing. Is that the same argument well, they make with this? Oh, absolutely. And the thing that's so ironic about that, though, is that literally when they're trying to come up with the, the rationale for this bill, as I mentioned, they're citing the case of this one drug-addicted mother from Central California in Hanford, California, Kings County. But the reality is, I mean, I, 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 it sounds like this young woman has had a very difficult and a very tragic life. She wasn't a first-generation drug user. She wasn't even a second-generation drug user. She's a third-generation meth addict. Both her parents and her grandparents were addicted to drugs. And yet, the police stepped in, not with the first pregnancy that she had, not with the second pregnancy. John, this child that was stillborn, that is the rationale, the basis for this entire law, this was this woman's 10th pregnancy. Wow. Her 10th. The previous nine pregnancies, all of those children had been taken away by child social services because the woman was deemed an unfit mother. And yet now, like you said, they're trying to they're trying to use this extreme example of a woman being held accountable for the death of her child after drug use. They're using this to try to demolish all the laws that protect children, both in the womb and out of the womb. You are out there in California, and we're talking to Jonathan Keller. He's the president of California Family Council. What is the future of abortion council? So this is something that Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, our illustrious state leader, even in the middle last year of him undergoing the recall election campaign last September, some of you uh, who are listening might remember that we had a recall campaign in our state last year. Even in the middle of that happening, Gavin Newsom and his political cronies were creating this secret cabal of 40-plus organizations across the state and around the country that are all designed to do one thing, and that is promote and expand abortion in the state of California. And you know that it's about abortion, as you said, John, just by the title. They didn't call it the, you know, the Women's Rights Alliance or the Reproductive Justice Federation or, you know, they didn't try to use some some euphemism, some fancy language, they literally called their group the Future of Abortion Council. And this organization put together a 15-page report. They released it in early December, right after the Supreme Court heard our oral arguments in the big Mississippi case about abortion. They dropped this document in early December here in California, and this 15-page document signed on by Planned Parenthood and NARAL and all these other abortion extreme organizations This 15-page document has 45 specific policy recommendations. In some cases, with the abortion laws they've introduced this year in California, John, in some cases, they've literally copied and pasted down to the punctuation the exact language from this report and put it into new statutes that they're trying to pass this year in California. And how much publicity is this getting in California? And And are most Californians okay with this? Well, I think that this is the crazy thing. A lot of Californians obviously vote for Democrats. Uh, We saw, just as an example, in the 2020 election, it's true that Joe Biden did win a pretty decisive victory. He he beat Donald Trump by essentially two to one, uh, 62% to about 31% for former President Trump. But I think that most Democrats, even if they voted for Joe Biden, even if they they think that they are pro-choice, most Democrats cannot be in favor of late-term abortions. They cannot be in favor of the idea that California wants to pay people from around the country. We want to give them scholarships to fly to California to get abortions here in the Golden State. But the Democrats really are trying to limit testimony. When we, when we had a discussion about this bill in the Assembly Judiciary Committee, the legislators cut off testimony after less than 30 minutes. We had hundreds of people that were calling in on the phone trying to voice their objections and concerns. And after just 30 minutes, the chairman of the committee there in the Assembly Judiciary, he cut it off and said, I think we've heard enough for today. We need to move on to vote. Why do Democrats love abortion so much? And um, why does it continue to be, even though the polls that I see anyway, and you just kind of mentioned it there, 
the polls that I see show that most people are against late-term abortions. Uh, I think it's about 50-50 abortion in general, but from what I uh, remember seeing is it's um, it's very much uh, a, the most people are opposed to late-term abortion. How does that continue to be stupid laws and evil laws like this? How do they continue to be good politics for the Democrats? Well, I think what the Democrats have relied on for years and years is trying to find you know, the most extreme, the, the most rare example of, of, a, of a tragic sob story. And they've tried to use that as a, as a, a punching glove to beat up on pro-life individuals and specifically on Republicans. Um, that's exactly, again, with this law, that's what they've tried to do is to say, look at these mean conservatives, look at these mean conservative Republicans. How, how dare they throw a woman in jail, a greedy mother, just because her child died? Well, I, I mean, again, if, if you framed it as that, of course, I, I know other friends that have had miscarriages. My, my wife and I had two miscarriages early in our marriage. They were, they were early along, only, only a couple months along. But I know family and friends that have lost children even later in pregnancy. Of course, nobody should ever go to jail. Nobody should ever be prosecuted or investigated just because they had a tragic miscarriage. But that's not what we're talking about. As I mentioned, with, with this young lady, Adora Perez from Hanford, it wasn't an accident. It was something that she had been using drugs for years, for years, over a decade. And again, you don't get to 10 pregnancies and all of your children being taken away by the state without there being some level of callousness and some level of uh, failure, even from the local government. Um, the, the Democrats are completely misusing stories. They're completely lying about the reality of what happens. And, John, I, I really sincerely hope that this year with the, the, the Dobbs case at the Supreme Court potentially finally overturning Roe versus Wade, I hope that this is what America needs to finally wake up and realize that the Democrats are just out of touch. They are completely extreme on this issue in a way we've never seen in American history. How often are these Democrats in California who are so extreme, uh, how much are are they getting uh, any pushback from the media or challenged by the media? (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I know this is such a serious topic, but... The, the, the media uh, out here is completely complicit. Uh, in fact, uh, I'll give you one perfect example of this. Right here in the capital city, the Sacramento Bee is the name of our major newspaper here. And they've been around for over 100 years reporting on things here at the capital and on news from California. They had a great headline that they released the morning of this hearing on Tuesday. They actually said, you know, new package of bills from Planned Parenthood. And then it said, plus legalized infanticide with a question mark. They were asking the question, will this bill legalize infanticide? I was in the headline. I I took a screenshot. I sent it around to several of my friends. And I said, this is great news. The media, maybe they'll finally cover this accurately. Maybe the legislators are going to ask tough questions. But I went and checked that same website, John, an hour later less than an hour later, and they had changed that headline. It no longer said legalized infanticide with a question mark. Instead, it says new bill will shield mothers from criminal charges. Wow, that's a, that's a total flip-flop. Somebody got to them. That's right, and that's the example of exactly what the media does. They, even when maybe one headline writer seems like they're going to ask an honest question. Now, mind you, this headline had a question mark. It didn't say Bill would legalize infanticide or Bill could legalize infanticide. It just said legalized infanticide with a question mark. They were just trying to raise awareness and say, what does this bill do? What is the, what is the potential outcome of this type of legislation? But even asking the question, John, asking the question is too far. They have to go and proactively cover things up and make it seem like this is a bill to help women. It would just, quote-unquote, shield them from criminal charges. Amazing. And that headline writer will be getting into some trouble. Real quick, how can people, i got about 20 seconds here, how can they help California uh, family um, uh, stop, put a stop to this? 
Yeah, so go to our website again. For this bill, it's ab2223.org. If you want to find us on social media, you can just search on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, California Family Council. If you just Google us, California Family Council, you'll find all of our websites and everything. And I would make a special plea. Uh, we obviously are up against a juggernaut financially. Planned Parenthood has millions, hundreds of millions of dollars here in California. So if any of your listeners want to sign up to get our emails, if they want to you know, send us a donation, a tax-deductible gift, and, of course, pray for us. Anything they can do to help is much appreciated. California Family Council. And uh, I, I hope you'll be giving us updates. Thanks. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Jonathan Keller, thank you, thank you. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. White House holding a huge South Lawn celebration for soon-to-be Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson. A day after the historic vote confirming the first black woman to the Supreme Court, the president hosted hundreds of people to applaud Judge Jackson. We're going to look back and see this as a moment of real change in American history. Jackson, who thanked God, her family, and a long list of friends, promised to follow in the footsteps of retiring Justice Stephen Breyer. To rule independently without fear or favor. Noting the historic nature of her confirmation, Jackson said this is a moment in which all Americans can take great pride. Greg Clugston. Washington. Two of the four men have been acquitted in a conspiracy to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Jury's verdicts against Daniel Harris and Brandon Caserta were read in federal court in Grand Rapids. This is SRN News. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? Well, the crazy thing is this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-691-9999. 800-691-9999. Sometimes it seems like America has gone upside down. Sometimes it seems like everybody's lost their mind. Everything we believe in has now become wrong. And what the other side believes in is getting the best of us. Hey, when you start to feel that way, just remember, you're here listening for a reason. You're here because you know the truth. And so do others like you. It's through that knowledge that you learn how to fight this culture war. We have to fight it. We have to win it. AM 1250, The Answer. When it matters, companies need more than just a delivery service. CentOS delivers full service and the reliability that comes with having a dedicated CentOS service rep who understands your business, which means they deliver confidence and peace of mind, too. For uniforms, cleaning essentials, mats, first aid and safety supplies, and fire protection services, discover the personal attention you get with CentOS. Oh, I'm ready! Visit CentOS.com and get ready for the workday. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that That's what happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the 
difference. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Finishing up our Friday with uh, some delays hanging on. Parkway West still stacking up inbound. Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound, your delay around five minutes. Banksville Road to Carnegie. Now on the Parkway East, starting to improve. Just a little busy outbound. Bates Street up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Outbound 28, a few delays between Route 8 and the Highland Park Bridge. Parkway North volume delays from Reedsdale Street on in. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. A couple of showers of rain or snow for tonight with a low 35. Rather cloudy and chilly tomorrow with a few more showers. Perhaps mixed with some snow early in the day with a high 45. Breezy on Sunday with a few morning snow showers. Chilly otherwise with mostly cloudy skies and a high of 46. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. The Democrats aren't selling uh, infanticide, uh, genital mutilation, uh, men competing against women in sports. They're out there trying to figure out a way to force you to uh, repay your neighbor's or your neighbor's kid's uh, student loan. Yesterday, the big guy extended the moratorium on payments for a few more months. Uh, is he going to get them canceled? Um, Neil McCluskey is the director of educational freedom at Cato Institute, and he joins us now. Neil, thanks for coming on the show. Sure, thanks for having me. So, was this ever a good idea for for the the government to make me pay back your loan? <laughs> no, it's never been a good idea for that. The federal government should never have gotten involved in student lending. That's uh, been involved oh forty or fifty years now. Um, and it's always been a debacle, but it's gotten even worse um, with the pandemic when uh, first the Trump administration froze repayment, which actually made a little sense. But we have since been freezing it again and again and again, and it's really starting to get ridiculous that we're not expecting anybody to pay back their student loans. Yeah, you mentioned um, in a piece you wrote at Cato about the fact that uh, you kind of gave uh, – President Trump a pass because of the everything that was going on with COVID at the time. Nobody knew what was happening with that. And there were a lot of government screw-ups there. But what about just the concept existing that a president can do that? If the, if the government wasn't involved in the – didn't get into the money lending business, President Trump wouldn't have had that option or that problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no question. If you look at the Constitution, it says nothing about education. It gives the federal government no authority to intervene in education. And that includes with federal student loans. And frankly, the student lending industry is totally dominated by the federal government. And it's had huge, awful, unintended consequences. A major reason that the price of college inflates at absurd levels is because the federal government pushes money so that they can, people can pay whatever schools charge. It's why we see far more jobs requiring credentials than used to, even though the credentials don't represent often any more learning. So this program should not ex- existed. The only thing you could say for President Trump was he's had a freeze on this repayment at the very beginning of the pandemic. When, yes, the federal government shouldn't be involved, the president shouldn't be able to make these kinds of decisions, but they were involved. And he said, look, there may be a huge economic hit because of what government is doing, and we shouldn't require repayment for a short time. And it was put into law soon after, and that was really important. So which loans are being forgiven, and how does this affect the banks who loan the money? Is it the, the government can't do anything about non-government loans. So how, how many of these loans are government loans? What, you know, what percentage of... The people who are out there paying back college loans are are involved with the government aid. Yeah, well, so the vast majority of student loans are government loans, federal loans. It's uh, well over 90%, I think. There is only a very small private student lending industry. But it's important to understand until around uh, 2008, 2009, uh, 2010, um, 
Federal loans were loans you got from ostensibly private lenders, could be banks, could be other lenders, but they were basically 100% guaranteed profit from the federal government. So they seemed to come from banks, but they were really federal loans. But the Obama administration eliminated those loans, and now all lending is direct from the federal treasury. So all those federal loans are directly coming out of taxpayer pockets. Um, and so there are still some people with those old, what are called FFEL loans that they're paying back. There's a very small percentage of people who have truly private loans, but the vast majority are these federal loans, and the vast majority of those are direct from the federal treasury. I know I had to pay back a college loan that my parents took out for me a million years ago, uh, and I don't think that was the government, but um, uh, how, how does uh, – where did this originate? Where, who came up with this idea? As I, I had to be a Democrat, but, I mean, where did, um, where did, where did we fail on this, and who decided this was going to be a good idea and didn't see that it was going to be a total fiasco? Right. Well, uh, everybody should have seen that it was going to be a total fiasco, but these things tend to start off small. So the federal government didn't do any college aid until we had the GI Bill in the 1940s, and that wasn't really about going to college. The main goal there was so that the labor market wasn't flooded with a whole bunch of people coming back. But that started the the accretion of more and more people getting more and more aid to go to college because if you give some people aid to go to college you have more people going to college you have more jobs that will demand college that puts pressure on everyone else to go to college if somebody can't pay then the federal government says we'll give you money so over the really the 60s is of course where this mainly started with the higher education act but it did start in the 40s there was a there's a korean war gi bill but you get to the 60s and you have the beginning with the Great Society and the Higher Education Act of, well, why don't we have loans that people can get? And over the 70s and into the 80s, it, it, they gradually increased how many people could get loans and what kind of, how much money they can get, what they could use it for. And now we're at the point, and have been really since the 1980s, of where you can get loans for undergraduates, you can get parent loans for undergraduates that have no cap on them. You can get graduate loans where we really see most uh, a lot of lending uh, if you're a graduate student with no cap on them. Uh, and so it, it really kind of hit its stride in the 1980s. And uh, we're talking to Neil McCluskey. He's the director of educational freedom at Cato Institute. What would happen to the price of cars if uh, starting next week, the government got involved in lending money to people and letting them making it pretty easy to get a loan for your car. What would happen to the price of cars? Yeah, we'd see the price of cars go way up, and that's essentially what they do with college. Now, the idea for college was to say, you know, you can't, if you get an education or you don't, you know, you can't pay for it. Nobody can repossess that with a car. If you don't pay back the loan, you can repossess it. But they said, so it's harder to get a loan in education than something like a car or a house because there's nothing tangible the lender can get back right, yeah. if you don't repay it. And the idea should have been, well, but if they're going to do that, they shouldn't, but if they're going to, that you would assess, well, this person I'm lending to, have they demonstrated that they can do college-level work in a field that is in demand so they can repay them? One of the biggest problems we have is the federal government doesn't do anything like that. It just gives whoever wants the money the money to go to something called college, and you not only then have this major inflation like you would see in cars, but you have lots of people end up can't repay it because they haven't actually finished the degree that enables them to earn more money. That was the point of going to college in the first place. So it's a huge unintended consequence where the federal government said, we'll be generous, and they're really just hurting people. Of course, they're being generous with other people's money, money, because that's the only way they can be generous. Um, so why is it so hard to find a Democrat to accuse the colleges of price gouging? They're, they're okay with accusing oil companies and uh, – any, anybody else that they don't like or with, with price gouging, of price gouging, I should say, how is it why, – why, why do the Democrats uh, seem to be reluctant to criticize colleges for the huge increase in, in costs? 
Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Democrats, generally speaking, of course, they're all different. And there's some Democrats who are good on this. There are many Republicans who are not good on this. But generally speaking, they focus in on colleges that are um, openly for-profit schools, that are they uh, they're not traditional colleges they don't tend to have giant leafy campuses with endless construction going on a brand new gleaming buildings they are schools that are focused on getting people particular skills and time uh, and schedules that work for usually those working people um, but they are honest and say look we're trying to make a profit the Democrats tend to focus on those schools, which often don't do well, but say, well, this is the real problem, and they tend to give traditional colleges, which are also also trying to make a profit, they just don't give it to investors, they usually tend to give them a pass and don't look at the for-profit schools. Republicans, though, also don't tend to focus much on most traditional colleges. When they get mad at schools, they tend to focus on Harvard or Yale or Princeton and say, why do they cost so much? And they have big endowments and they get lots of money. And that's a legitimate concern. But few people pay attention to all these college universities that are supposedly not-for-profit, most of which... If you looked at them, you'd say, you know, we are really not getting any bang for our buck, and and many of these schools have atrocious outcomes. So I don't really find that either party really wants to dive into this and say the whole system is kind of broken, and a big reason for that is our supposedly generous aid programs. And there are a lot of um, a lot of people who love big government spending and uh, who live on college campuses and get paychecks from colleges these days. Uh, if, if Bernie Sanders gets his way, uh, he's really pushing this, um, and all college debt is canceled, who benefits the most? Well, the people who benefit the most, obviously, are people with debt. But what people don't realize is, disproportionately, that debt is held by people who are already pretty well-to-do, and more importantly, will be more well-to-do because they've gone to college, and it's not just they've gone to college, but disproportionately, that debt is owed by, or is held by people, or owed by people who've gone to graduate school, and a lot of those people with the biggest debt have gone to medical school, and that debt is an investment in their future, and then, and people have finish medical school, finish law school, finish engineering school, are going to make a whole lot of additional money in their lifetime. So the average person who finishes a graduate program makes about $2.3 million more million over their lifetime than somebody who ends in high school. So we are, that cancellation would really help people who do not need it, people who are on the path already pretty well off or on the path to being very well off. That's who's going to be helped by that. And, and of course, the colleges and universities will be happy because yeah. they've got the money. Sure. Uh, I don't want to pay back anybody's loan. I don't want to. I mean, if I if I have the if somebody wants to ask me if I'd like to and I'd voluntarily do it, that's fine. I don't want anybody making me pay back anybody's loan. I'd be a little bit happier though if I were made to pay back the loan of a uh, a guy who became a heart surgeon as opposed to someone who gets out with a degree in, uh, I don't know, gender studies, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I mean, I totally agree. I don't think we should be saying to any taxpayer, often taxpayers who haven't gone to college or who went to college and they didn't take out loans because they went to a less expensive school or they saved money throughout their lives, so they go to college, we're saying to those people, you pay for the people who didn't do the same things, who weren't as disciplined, who didn't maybe choose the college that didn't have the on-campus water park because they didn't want to pay as much. We're saying they should pay for someone else's debt. And that seems fundamentally unfair, and I think that's something that we don't talk about enough in this student debt forgiveness debate, is how is this fair to all the people who were disciplined who did the right thing about repaying their student loans, to say to them, oh, and also you're going to now pay taxes for someone who, who didn't do the same things you did. It's, it's total insanity, and, it, and, it's, it, and if this were to happen, if, this, if, if, it's, uh, if we're unlucky enough to have this get uh, passed and become um, a reality that people are going to be having their uh, loans forgiven, um, it's, um, it's, it's inevitable 
that the day that that law goes into effect, there's, there's going to be somebody who just paid off their loan yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you? What do you say to them? Yeah, well, I mean, the only message you could give them is, oh, too bad. That, yeah. that was a bad idea. Um, and, you know, if you have student loans, there's a, there's a major incentive to wait on repaying. Now, of course, you don't have to repay for the most part because we have this freeze that started with the pandemic. Yeah. And the Biden administration has said, you know what, it's just too – the economy is not good enough, apparently, to repay your student or to, to safely go back to repayment. And he said this like a day after he had talked about how incredible his economy is. And it's true. There's 3.6% unemployment, 2% unemployment for people with at least a bachelor's degree. It is a good economy, and it's sort of absurd to then turn around the next day and say, oh, but it's not good enough for people to repay their loans. What that sounds like he's saying is, even if we just do it on a temporary basis every three months, I am not going to have people repay their student loans. And that is absurd. It's ridiculous. And it's costing the federal treasury and therefore the taxpayer revenue they're supposed to get for the money they gave to people so those people could earn a lot more money over their lifetimes. Talking to Neil McCluskey, the director of educational freedom at Cato Institute, and if the Democrats have their way, you're going to be playing. You're going to be paying off somebody else's college loan. Uh, just looking at this uh, from a political uh, standpoint, Neil, what are the chances of this happening? If 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 people are educated, speaking of educational, if they are educated about what exactly is happening here, yeah, you know, it's hard to say. Um, So far, though, I think what we're looking at is an administration that actually does not want to do massive loan cancellation. And I think that could be, it could be for many reasons. I'm not a mind reader, but when you look at sort of wonks, so policy people like me, you can look at the Brookings Institution, the Cato Institute, people kind of across the spectrum have all said massive student loan forgiveness would be incredibly regressive. It would be helping the wealthy or the well-to-do people who don't need it. And so I don't think this administration wants to do massive loan forgiveness the way that Senator Schumer and Senator Warren uh, want, uh, because it would be clearly a giveaway to the well-to-do. So I think what we're seeing happening, and this is what we see with the constant extension of this student loan repayment freeze, is they're going to do lots of smaller things short of that to continue to give some relief, to continue to suggest to people who want loan cancellation, we're doing all we can for you. And it's a very muddled picture. So I don't think we're heading toward $50,000 of forgiveness for every student debtor the way, uh, again, Schumer and Warren want, but we're going to continue to see piecemeal forgiveness of uh, if you have public service loan or if you're in public service, they changed the rules for public service loan forgiveness, so more people will get that. Uh, they'll change income-based repayment. And lots of these things, it's really got to be in the soup on student loans to even know what they are. They're going to keep doing those things to release pressure and send the message People with student debt, we care about you. But I think that the Biden administration realized mass forgiveness would be quickly and clearly seen as a giveaway to the well-to-do. It'll be the typical, um, they'll be posturing and saying that we're doing this because we are. We care deeply about each and every one of you. But they know, number one, it's probably not going to happen. And if it does, uh, it's, it's a bad idea. Hey, Neil, I'm, I'm out of time. I appreciate you coming on. Hope to have you on again. Great. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Neil McCluskey, Director of Educational Freedom at Cato Institute. I'll be right back. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... 
Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarrestpittsburgh.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Hey, before I go, I want to uh, do you a favor. If you're looking for a job, if you know somebody who's looking for one, and, and it's also uh, doing someone a favor uh, who has a business who can't find somebody to do a job, and that's everywhere. Everybody I know, I, maybe not everybody, but many, many people who I know who own businesses, whether it's a bar, restaurant, or whatever it is, having a tough time finding people to work. One of our sponsors here on the show, a great sponsor, uh, Pitt Cycles up in Warrendale. Um, they got some job openings, and if you want, if you're interested, uh, check them out. The phone number is uh, 724-779-1901. But they're looking for technicians, uh, service writers, parts department manager. If you like motorcycles, you want to be around motorcycles, help our sponsor out. Maybe help yourself out with a with a good job at Pitt Cycles. It's up in uh, it's up in Warrendale. So try and check that out. Meanwhile, uh, we're into the uh, baseball season. I like to. I don't know why I always seem to finish with sports on Fridays, but um, we're into the baseball season, and uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates start the season off. You know, everybody knows it's going to be a bad year, and, and they're a source of misery for the city anyway. They have been for like 36 of the last 42 years. But, uh, you know, what if they would have come out and done something really special and actually won the opener and beat and beaten the the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis, at least to get people for like one day to say, hey, you know, at least they're, you know, at least our buckos are out there trying. They lost nine to nothing, okay? Nine to nothing on the first. Could you at least come out and, I don't know, make a game of it and not be, have the game be over in like the fourth inning when you're behind seven to nothing, whatever it was? It's just, and I, I, I've, I've talked about this here before. I, I used to be a gigantic baseball fan. It was my favorite sport by far. I spent three years riding buses around uh, West Virginia and Texas and, and Kansas and places like that doing, doing play-by-play because I loved baseball. I'm not going to watch one pitch of the baseball season this year. Not one. I don't know if you are, but if you're going to be going to Pirate Games, have a nice time and... You ain't going to see me there, but I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.